What do you love about being outside and active? I'm, I'm sure I've spent more time outdoors than in. That just feels like home. Enjoy what you can do because you never know what is around the corner. Just being outdoors in the fresh air, it just clears my mind. Fully immersed in nature is what brings me the most joy. Hello and welcome back to Season 12, Episode 2 of the Outside and Active podcast, where this week my special guest is Olympic gold medal curler Eve Muirhead. Eve is one of the world's most successful curlers, most recently becoming Olympic champion as skip of the British Olympic curling team at the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. As well as becoming Olympic champion at these games, she was also the flag bearer for the GV team. But her achievements began at a very early age, where she won the World Curling Junior Championships at just the age of 17, a title that she went on to win four times in total. But if all of this wasn't enough, she's also received an OBE from the British government for her outstanding contribution to British sport. After a fantastic curling career, she has recently retired and is figuring out what to do next. And by the looks of it, that sounds like running, CrossFit competitions, and a whole lot more that we talk about in this episode of the Outside and Active podcast. Just before we jump into the episode with Eve, just want to ask each of you, whether you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify or watching this on YouTube, a quick favour. It'll take you 10 seconds. And if everyone who's listening or watching shares this with someone who they think would enjoy it just as much as you, then we can continue to grow this outside and active community. And it makes more difference than you can possibly imagine. So just a small favor I ask from you before we get into this conversation. I thank you to Ellis Brigham for sponsoring this episode of the Outside and Active podcast. I'll chat a bit more about them later in the episode. But for now, let's get straight into the conversation with Eve Muirhead. Hello. Hey. <laughs> How are you doing? Yes, I'm good. Right, the piece of advice for you comes from Neil Campbell, who recorded an episode with at the show yesterday. And his advice is very simple. His advice is just be a nice person. Just be a nice person. If, if everyone was just a nice person, it's actually easier to be a nice person than to be a mean person. <laughs> so yes, absolutely. that's his piece of advice. Uh, and the other question I also ask to everyone is, what do you love about being outside and active? Purposefully vague, so you can take it wherever you want. So, what else do I like apart from being outside? Like, I think um, being active and um, being outside has always been part of, of me. Um, but if I'm honest, probably spending time in my own house. It sounds quite sad and um, bizarre, but I think when you've you've travelled so much um, throughout mm. your com- career, even right now still travelling a lot, I don't actually spend a lot of time at my own house. Um, mm. So whenever I do get some time to spend, um, I enjoy cooking for myself. Um, I'm a bit of a... I kind of scat around the law, everything's <laughs> got to be tidy, washing's got to be done, like even if I get back at midnight, I'll need to make sure and unpack my suitcase. But but that's just me, so mm. so yeah, so time time at home's always nice. Do you find that since retiring, you lose that sense of routine that you've had for a long time in training and competitions and obviously travelling? Do you find that you kind of lost that or do you have to then replace it with some other routine? It's probably been one of the toughest parts um, since retiring is losing that routine. Um, when I was a curler, I would have a set time I got up. I knew I was in the ice rink. I was on ice at eight o'clock, um, then had physio, then back on ice, then was in the gym, home by 4.35, have my dinner, be in bed by nine o'clock. Like that was just my routine. And now it's um, all over the place. And there <laughs> is no routine, if I'm perfectly honest. It's more fitting in what I like to do, e.g. gym, um, 
spend time outside, uh, meet friends. It's trying to fit that in around what else I'm doing. So I think I'm starting to, to get to grips with it now, but it has been a very big change for me and it's probably been one of the toughest. It's a big change, but it, I guess you can also see it as an opportunity to, like you said, try, well, go and do different things and jump at different opportunities that come your way. Well, that that's it, exactly. I think um, as well, it's something that I've always kind of pushed towards is challenges, goals and um, even now, like I, I still try to to kind of put my hand at as much as I can, and whether it's stupid things like running the marathon <laughs> or <laughs> uh, doing high rocks or anything, like it, it's something that I always I always like to set a target, and it's something at least I can drive towards to get better at um, to to achieve that. Whether it's just um, kind of taking part, giving something a go. It's it's nice to know that you've got a driver to, to do that. More golf as well? I do. I have, actually. I've played um, a little bit more the last couple of years, which has been nice. Um, the year of the Olympics, definitely not as much. But I'm lucky that I get invited to a lot of, of nice courses. And, um, yeah, I can still get the ball around in a decent number. But I guess now it, it's very hard to kind of change that mentality to just go out and enjoy a game of golf like yeah. I find that very hard you're I, quite competitive I have, yes, <laughs> obviously I, I do and I think it's as well other people's kind of expectations of me being a good golfer right. and when I don't have time to practice um like I, I hate turning up and not playing well so it's kind of one of those things so I'll, I'll say no sometimes because I'm like god I haven't played I'm going to be awful and I'm not going yeah I'm not going to go and make an idiot of myself but then again, like it's opportunities that I'm very, very lucky to get. So sometimes I, I need to try and kind of switch off from that con- competitive instinct mm. and um, be really hard on myself. But, but I'm getting there. I am. It's it's a slow process. <laughs> so golf, you mentioned running and CrossFit as well. Have you always been into sports and fitness from a young age? Yeah, I have. When when I was um, when I was young, kind of school aged, like I was very lucky that I could golf in the summer and curl in the winter. Mm. And um, if I'm honest, back then I was probably quite complacent in the way that I thought curling wise, especially I'm, I'm good enough. I don't need to go and go to the gym. Like, why are those guys going to the gym to be better and things like that? But as I kind of matured and got older, I realised that there's more to that full package than just turning up to the ice rink and expecting to win during a game. And um, yeah, over the years, I've kind of adapted that um, kind of fitness mentality. Um, I'm very, very driven by that side of it. I think it's um, very um, good, not only for your kind of physical health, but your mental health and things as well. And yeah. um, I have to say that it's something that I will carry on for, for the rest of my life because it's it's just it's just me. Um, and I'd like to think, um, especially the, the sport of curling, has kind of taken a different leap forward in terms of that athletic kind of build, um, that fitness that you do need and... You look at the top teams nowadays, like all of them are, are hitting the gym most days. They've got very strict routines. Um, so, But if you want to be the best in the world, if you want to be champions, then you've got to do that. It's all the work outside of it the is, competitions. Absolutely. Yeah, I was, was going to ask what the sort of, you said what your training sort of plan looked like in a day, but what are the important things that will go into training leading up to competitions just all year round in terms of, like you said, strength mm-hmm. there, but also skills and, I guess, strategic as well? Yeah, yeah so what we'll do um, on, on ice-wise, we'll do a lot of kind of technical stuff and a lot of that's kind of an individual one-to-one basis with the coach and you work a lot with cameras, a lot of kind of analysis on um, your kind of technique, your shoulder angles, your hip angles, your um, your drive from the hack, it's all very, very technical. Um, and you're talking down to like centimetres, yeah. millimetres, like they make differences. Um, in terms of team sessions, we'll do a lot of strategic um, sessions, like what you say, a lot of tactical-based sessions. Um, I spend a lot of time watching my opposition to kind of figure out what their kind of strengths, weaknesses are. Um, of course, like me learning a lot 
about my team like really in depth to know let's try and force um let's try and get the best out of my team let's not try and expose their weaknesses um same with myself like I'll try and call a game that I'm not kind of exposing my weaknesses if mm. I have any um in terms of of gym we do a lot of strength work so a lot of Olympic lifts um explosive power single leg strength core stability um a lot of conditioning as well and um, I think that that's one part of it that's only really kind of taken off in the last couple of years. Um, I guess in terms of the sweep in, the more power you can get over that brush, yeah. the more um, frequency, the more impact you're going to have on the stone. So that's also um, another another big part of our training, kind of in, in, intense interval training. Um, but what I did, I did more of a kind of CrossFit approach. It's something that I've always been very kind of passionate about. So I did. CrossFit a couple times a week and um, stupid me now gets into high rocks. And <laughs> yeah. Just the list goes on. Yeah, I've done that before. I did. Um, I haven't done high rocks, but ultra games. Oh, someone was like, "Oh, we've got a space. Can you can you do it? What when is it? In two weeks? I, I think so. I'll give it a go. I just remember aching a couple of days yeah. after. But it's good. It's it's intense, isn't it? Because it's, it's intense, mixed between yeah. strength and length and conditioning. Well, it is, and it's. Um, I've got Dublin coming up in a couple of weeks' time. I did one last. Last year, I finished. Um, I finished second by two seconds or something, and um, yeah, <laughs> the competitive that, nature. So I've kind of moved up to the the kind of pro division mm. to see how I get on at that. Like it's it's going to be tough, but I just I love that that feeling of of when you finish and you know you've conquered something, win or lose. Like um, it's 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 going to like it's hard, but yeah. it's a kind of love hate relationship. Challenging yourself, isn't it? It's almost yeah. like people with runners get that a lot of you complete your first 5k or your first ultra yeah. marathon and everyone goes i'll never do that again and then a, a day do. later they go yeah. okay now I'll, now I'll what i can um, do that now yeah, what it was exactly like i did the london marathon and um, back in april and i was exactly the same on the back of that um even training like you know, i'm never ever doing anything like this again like, <laughs> and then you kind of finish and then the next day no still not doing it and then you kind of then it comes back and you're like mm, maybe um so like I've, I've done a couple of halves and since the marathon to be fair, a full marathon, I'm still like, yeah, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> it's, it is pretty it is long. Would not recommend. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did London and London Landmarks as well. Half. Yeah, so I did uh, the, the Awesome land- events. Yeah, I did mm. the Landmarks half leading leading into to London. I was very lucky that I know Steve Cram very well. Um, so Steve spoke to me after Olympics. Well, I, I asked him, um, can I get some kind of help on a kind of marathon plan I, I want to do London and he was like oh absolutely anyway um, before I knew it I was um, I had a full kind of weekly check-ins <laughs> sending him stats um, you, you name it and I don't think I missed a day's training because that's just the way I am yeah um, but I managed to kind of beat the time that I was going for um, and um, just recently I actually did the um, London Parks half the, the Royal Parks so that, that was good yes, fun yeah. I did that with my, my little brother because at the time of the marathon, he said to me, I'd love to do something like that with you, Eve. I was like, right, okay. So I got this nice <laughs> invite. So that was back in April. So it came along la- a couple of weeks ago. And um, still to start his training. But to <laughs> give him his dues, um, he did it. Yeah. And he did it in a reasonable time as well. So, um, yeah, it was it was a great, great event and loved it. Yeah, Competitive between you two? Well, we were. So we made a deal the night before because we were going to run it together. We made a deal. We said, right, last mile, let's do what we want. Like, go for it. <laughs> Um, that turned out to be the last um, 10 miles. It started early, <laughs> yeah. So um, after 5, 6K, the, the poor boy was struggling a little bit. So he says, oh, just go on, just go on. And I was standing at the finish line for quite a while waiting on him. But he did, he came, and um, the next done. day in London was interesting. Let's just say <laughs> he was in a world of pain. And I think he still yep. is, and we're a couple of weeks past. Yeah, no, it does <laughs> Serves him effect. right for not training. <laughs>
just jumping in this conversation to tell you about a product on the Ellis Brigham website that you can secure yourself now ahead of Christmas, which is athlete tested and expedition proven. Check out the new Summit series from the North Face, which redefines backcountry snow sports clothing using Gore-Tex Pro for durable, waterproof and breathable performance guaranteed. And you can find out more at the link ellisbrigham.com forward slash the North Face Snow Sports. And that link, the exact link is in the description of this podcast and also the article on the outside and active website. Thank you to Ellis Brigham for sponsoring. Let's jump straight back into the conversation with Eve. So growing up, um, are there particular places where curling, places, regions, countries where curling is more prominent and the norm because of someone from the south of England where it is not, well, I don't perceive it to be, you know, accessible yeah. around here. Um, are there places where it is more, na- you know, normal and, and around, I say uh, normal? Yeah, no, there, there is definitely places that it's a little bit more kind of popular, more yeah. events take place. Um, you go over to, to Canada. I think Canada you, is, um, is 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 huge for curling. You, um like a little bit of a kind of superstar down the streets there because um, <laughs> everyone just knows the sport. You go into any bar, restaurant, and it's on the TV. Yeah. And um, the same, like in, in Scandinavia, it's also pretty big. Sweden, Switzerland, um, starting to grow in the kind of um, Asian countries as well. So, okay. like, the, the sport is definitely grown around the world, which is great. But I would say kind of dominated um, within, within Canada and North America, for sure. And Scotland. And Scotland, yeah. Because <laughs> it is originally a Scottish... Yes, it is. It was originated um, in Scotland, um, outside on frozen lochs. And um, yeah, so that was um, way, way back, which is one thing I'm still yet to do is, is curl outside. I, w- I would love really? to... Yeah. Th- health and safety nowadays. Oh, You've right. got to have X amount of thickness of the ice and you know what it's like. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, originated in Scotland. It, it's sad right now because ice rinks are struggling a lot. And we're actually seeing a few of them close their doors. And that's just due to your energy costs. Um, not enough people kind of getting getting through the door. Um, but I guess, like, I'm very passionate about trying to increase that participation yeah. and, and get more people involved. Let's keep the ice rinks going. If we can, let's get more ice rinks. And I think especially down here in England, um, we've got one, the Flower Bowl, um, just, out, sorry, just outside sorry. Preston. Um, and um, I think it's a sport that people get hooked to. Oh, I love yeah, watching it. People Absolutely, get it's hooked. by far my favourite thing to oh, watch. The, I, I'm video, not yeah. biased just because you're sitting here. <laughs> yeah. Gen- genuinely is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just I've always watched and gone, I wouldn't even know where to start looking. Well, that, that's, I think, one of the problems that, that I notice that we have. Like, if you want to give the sport a go, like, you don't know what to do or where to go. And especially down south in, 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 yeah. in kind of England. So I would love to, in, in a couple of years, kind of try and grow that sport, kind of increase the um, the kind of the reputation of it down here to get more people through the door. Because it is. Like, when the Olympics is on, everyone goes mad for curling. And that's the time that we need to showcase our sport. Yeah, and keep it on that high. Yeah. And do you work with uh, British curling as well to kind of... S- yeah, I've started doing one day a week um, kind of coaching to help. I needed, I needed, I needed over like probably over a year away from the sport, like completely. Yeah, away. I can imagine. Like it's it's been an intense probably 15, 16 years of being a full time curler, and um, yeah, so I've actually just recently kind of agreed to do yeah one one day a week coaching and um, help a, a younger team develop, which I'm really excited about and I'm really really enjoying it. So um, yeah, hopefully it might be something I I take on in the future as more of a kind of coaching role. Um, but I would love to yeah pu- push our sport so we get more people more people involved. When did you realise you w- went from just 
curling at a young age to then being like, oh, I'm actually quite good at this. <laughs> it could become a career and something yeah, that I could be successful um, in. It's a good question. I think when, when I was younger, I was lucky enough that, like, my dad was a curler, so I had some natural talent, yeah. and I guess a lot of that came through kind of watching him a lot. And I was, I was, I was obsessed with the sport when I was younger. Whether it was sitting up till midnight watching videos or whenever we're allowed, you know, back in the day, the big VCRs yeah. that um, of like old games of my dad, old games from Canada, whatever tournament he was playing, I would want to go and watch him, and he'd be like, "Right, be in the kitchen at six a.m. If you're not there, I'm going without <laughs> you." So I'd go and I'd literally sit all day and watch and watch him and or watch whatever games were on. And then I guess um, I started kind of developing um, my own self in terms of being being a curler. Got selected for like some regionals, nationals, and and then I got selected for the Vancouver Winter Olympics. And for me, I was young then; I was only nineteen years old. But for me, it was probably. Um, the kind of in a way a blessing in disguise in terms of I realized that what I needed to do if I wanted to get to the top um, and it was more than what I was doing back then so I really kind of uh, turned that screw <laughs> and trained a lot harder practiced a lot harder um, and really honestly just dedicated my full life to, to being a, to being a curler and um, kind of pursuing my dreams to be an, a gold medalist. Having that perfect mix of talent but also the passion for the sport well, as that, well. That's, I think you've got to have both yeah. I think you there's no point in turning up every day to practice if you just hate being there. Yeah. Of course, there's days you hate it, and there's days that I couldn't stand freezing my <laughs> backside <laughs> off a nice rink. And um, it gets, um, yeah, it does get tiresome, of course. And people like yourself, you say you love curling, but you see the, the week at the Olympic Games of us out there enjoying ourselves all smiley, winning games. But you don't see the, the 364 days that are on the back of that. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's one it's tough. It's very very tough, and um, I guess that's one of the reasons that I decided to to, to hang up my shoes was because you, you get to a certain stage within your life that um, enough's enough. Um, retiring at the top, I guess, is always a very nice thing to do. Yeah. So that that's exactly what I did. Did you know going into that game that so that was going to be kind of the 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 final time that do you? You know what I didn't. I didn't, right. honestly didn't even cross my mind that I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna hang up my shoes after this and even on the back of the games I I still I still didn't I'd actually uh, like agreed to play with a certain team that the training was coming up and if I'm perfectly honest the reason why I stopped was because I was really scared I was really scared of going back going through a lot of the kind of troubles the um kind of mental health side of it that yeah. I went through prior to the Olympics. Um, some of my teammates were retiring so I knew I was going to be kind of starting at the bottom again building my way up and I was probably scared to fail and um, I re I just thought like why if you don't have to why put yourself through that again so I, I didn't And um, but at peace with that decision that, that as yeah. soon as you made that decision no this is absolutely the yeah, right thing to I, do I was like I, I was kind of a little bit like mm, am I going to regret this in a few months time but I can safely say a year and a bit on definitely not regret it I'm, yeah, I'm happiest I've ever been and I've got more time to realise there's a life out there away from elite sport it, it was funny listening to you recount like a normal training day because I was lucky to speak to to Chris Hoy on this and he said I could tell you what day five years ago or ten years ago on a Friday what I would be doing yeah I just knew it like the back of my yeah, hand yeah you do it's it's um it's very very routine um I guess on top of that you've got your competition as well and as much as people think traveling is very glamorous you honestly see the ice rink the the airport and your <laughs> hotel room um and it's it's not glamorous at all we all know what airports are like <laughs> of course you get to go to a few lovely places yeah. and you get to spend a couple of days either side of comps but 
um, yeah, all in all, it's um, yeah, it's it's very routine esque, and um, it's nice to break free from that. How long before a games do you know? Do you get the call to know that you're going? I guess you kind of will have an idea, but I, I've spoken to snowboarders and skiers that said oh, we knew two weeks before. Like yeah. that was it, or you know, not far before. Yeah, I know um, GB snow sports are always very, very close. Like we're quite lucky as curlers that we know a little bit prior, like yeah. a good couple of months um, before Christmas. To be fair, and the Olympics are kind of February, but Beijing in that respect was very different because um, we know COVID was going around. So, so the world's two years before, where usually Olympic points are at stake for those two yeah. years, was cancelled. So then it all came down to one World Championships, and um, we knew we had to finish top six. We ended up not. Um, came back. It was a very, very tough time. I kind of contemplated giving up, but we had one last chance to, to qualify in an Olympic qualifying event, like three out of ten teams, more or less, just last minute, kind of the, yeah. the dregs <laughs> to, to <laughs> fill up the field. Um, horrible event to play in Team GB um, British Carl never ever been to it before, um, and and we ended up there. So we we qualified very late this this time right. around, and in a way it was probably quite good because it kind of eased the pressure the kind of the weeks months before, like when I we see. were in practice and like the the boys team had already qualified, so they had quite a lot of media, they had a lot of um, kind of appearances here, there, and everywhere. But us, we just kind of kept our heads down. Um, and didn't have that mm. and as much as it was very tough it was uh, mentally very very hard to, to get through and, and carry on in the back of failing at the world um, we we did it the hard way but in, as I say in a way we kind of qualified late jumped in the plane got there and just got on with our job didn't go in as anything as a favourite we just went in under the radar kind of and how does that compare I mean so that's quite a different way to, to in the lead up to an Olympic Games but your first one how was the, obviously, when you knew you were then going, what were your feelings and thoughts when you were kind of heading to your first Olympic Games? Oh, like, um, yeah, it's it's a feeling that it's hard to describe. Like, there was there was a squad system back then, and one of us got dropped, um, and there was kind of five, and so you knew you can add a, a plane, a ticket on the plane, mm. but in terms of positions, like, you didn't really know what you were. But when I was named as captain um, or skip uh, as the team, it's, um, of course, the first thing you think is pressure. Like, yeah. I remember sitting up watching Rona Martin and me then putting myself in her shoes thinking you've got millions of people watching you. Um, so, like, it, it's hard in that respect and um, it, it was... Um, but uh, it's amazing, it really was. And I, I do remember getting the phone call to finally tell me because <laughs> you, you know, you kind of know you're going, but until you get that phone call... You still... To, to confirm it, you still can't really believe it, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, it's very surreal... Um, and it's yeah, it's moments like that that you need to you need to remember and treasure. But is that twenty years old at that point? Being made captain, nineteen was, yeah. made captain. Yeah. So that's that extra pressure as well of like I guess. Well, it's I think like as well you've got to look at my team. Like a couple of them were in their forties, and I'm nineteen, and I'm telling them what to do. <laughs> the captain, like that was tough. That was very tough in terms of trying to um, lead a lead a team that had experience. I think. Three had already been to the Olympic Games before. I was just the kind of young newbie, just out of ju- still in juniors. So that that made it quite tough. But do you know what? We all had such great intent. We all um, we all got on great. I had so much fun that Olympics. Probably too much fun in terms <laughs> of um, didn't really know what I was expecting right, going there. Um, but like as I say, like these are memories that you're always always going to remember for sure. How important is the team dynamic? Especially Very, going into yes. a, a big competition like that. Like a, a team sport, you've got to 
you've got to remember that there's there's no hiding, and especially in Carolyn, there's four of you on the ice. If one person doesn't pull their weight, that snowballs to everyone. Um, so like the whole dynamic side of it is is very important. And I think if I go back to that world championship that I said that we we didn't qualify, mm. I think during that that's when the dynamic kind of broke down. Um, I think as well we were very scared of losing. We were scared of making mistakes. Um, I definitely was. Mm. I was trying to make everything too perfect. Um, little small mistakes escalated into massive mistakes, and um, just really didn't enjoy it. And, and you get stuck in stuck do. in here. You absolutely do. But I think what we did very well in Beijing as a team, I, I, like I made a million mistakes. All of us did, but we weren't scared to to kind of try that. We weren't scared to give everything a go. Um, we tried to win every single game. I think as a team, we were very open and honest in terms. We could have that open and honest conversation knowing that it's to help it's not to, to don't take it to heart and um, that's where I always find guys and girls very different like guys can have a bit of a kind of um, a set to and it's like 10 minutes later they're best friends of a pint at the bar like girls like that can last for weeks months years sometimes never rekindle relationships so um, yeah it's it's very it's very difficult in that respect but it's 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 being open to to doing what that person wants and needs it's a team sport, but you're relying very much, like you said, on the individual oh, skill absolutely. of your team members at oh, particular you points. Yeah. And you've got to respect what they like to do, what they don't like to do, how to get them out of a hole if they're in a hole, um, how to, to keep making them play great, how to help them if they're not playing great. So there's a, there's a lot that goes along with the just the throwing of the stone, for sure. And you won plenty of medals at Scottish World European Championships, but the Olympic gold medal, was that some just have a little bit more of a sweetness to it? In 2022, absolutely. Like, um, yeah, having the taste of an Olympic medal in Sochi, 14, yep, getting yep. bronze, then coming fourth in Pyeongchang, um, like that—that that was hard. And sometimes in the back of that, you think, God, am I ever going to get another opportunity? Because the the Olympic Games every four years, like it's not just every year you get this opportunity to get this medal. Um, but of course, like winning that gold medal was something that I'd always dreamt of. Um, I trained very, very hard to get it. Like I. I don't think I missed a day's training because I, I was wanting it that bad. Um, I put in extra hours, I did extra sessions, um, and to, to know that all that is has paid off, it's more of a, a relief, I would say, if anything, um, knowing that I'd um, achieved what I set out to achieve. I did it with um, four amazing girls, great coaches, and um, yeah, it's, it's memories that I certainly won't forget. Amazing. And you also with Flag Bearer, as well, and and then later, with uh, received an OBE for your contribution to the sport. Where were you when you found out about that? Is that a phone call or is it a letter? So the the flag bearer, um, the chef de mission. It was Georgie Harland at the time. She phoned me up and, and asked if I would be the flag bearer um, for Team GB, lead out the team. And of course, like I remember <laughs> the the three games prior to that that I'd been to, like walking behind someone carrying the flag. Like you're looking at them thinking, wow, what what a thing to do like it's unbelievable so yeah that was that was the start of what was an amazing olympics for me um obe um i'd already luckily like received an mbe so that had been postponed because of covid um and then i i got the the letter through the post say i got an, an obe and i actually received both of them at the same time at windsor oh, castle well, yeah. so prince charles or king charles now um was like oh, i've never done this before and he's <laughs> gave me two at the same time so that was pretty Thank cool <laughs> yeah but it was an amazing amazing day like my mum absolutely loved it I took her along and as you can imagine she was 
she was loving it. So yeah, <laughs> I've had a lot of great things on the back of it. Yeah. Um, but what what I haven't done is I'm still Eve. I'm not any different person. As much as yeah, I've got a title. I'm an Olympic gold medalist. I'm still just Eve. <laughs> and um, yeah, it hasn't changed me as a person. Can you sit back now and be a fan of the sport as just a like kind of almost like you were back when you were with your dad watching it on the tapes and just be, being a fan? Yeah. Or is it tough? <laughs> it yes and no. Um, I still follow it, of course, yeah, because yeah. I think I always will. And I probably follow it more now when I'm not competing than what I did when I was competing, <laughs> which sounds bizarre. Um, but of course, like I love I love watching support and um, knowing that like when you've kind of been there, you kind of know like what it's like, what it entails, if you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, I would say I can be a fan. It, it's hard at times, of course. I miss the big moments, um, but those big moments are very hard to get to whether it's final of world, Europeans, Olympics, they're the moments that you miss. Um, but The years in got, between exactly, of hard, hard training. You've got, to, you've got to put it in perspective of how do you get to those big moments. You don't, they don't just land on a plate. And I imagine you had inspirations of people when you were growing up in the same sport and now you can be sort of, you are the role model of, of young people that want to grow up and, and achieve the things or aim to achieve the yeah. things that you have and get into the sport. Do you often you know, have people talk to you, young people talk to you and aware that you're sort of inspiring a next generation of people yeah like in the um sport. yeah it's, it's always very um satisfying or it's also very it's lovely to hear that knowing yeah. that that i have inspired people whether it's just one two people i i don't mind like as long as there's someone that i've inspired and it doesn't even need to be curling it's more just kind of keeping active keep that active lifestyle because um yeah it's um it's one of those things that help you so much when you grow up and I always look back from when I was at school. I was playing curling. I was playing golf. Like, I didn't have much going for me then, did I, really? But <laughs> I could have thought, you know what? Let's listen to everyone and it's not a cool thing to do. But I didn't. I kind of stuck to my guns. Um, of course, there was days you think, oh, I, should I really be doing this? It's not cool. I should maybe be going shopping with my friends or <laughs> jumping on the train to here. But stick to what you want to do because um, there's a long life ahead of you and you've got to enjoy it for sure. Oh, that's that's you. You can't use that for your advice now, oh, which yeah. I'm going to come to in a second. But just before before I do, what's what's next? You're doing all of these incredible fitness things and running and and hydrox. But what uh, what else have you got planned? Yeah, so um, I'm at, I'm doing a lot of work with Team GB and the British Olympic Association. Um, I'm the chef de mission at Gangwon Youth Olympic Games in Korea in January. So um, yeah, I'm doing a lot of work with them, which I'm loving. Um, get to, to meet a lot of great people but I think for me it's more spending time on the other side which has mm. been a complete eye-opener for me like spending time behind a laptop and <laughs> as an athlete in a way I think God, I had it so easy like you just turned up at competition everything was on a plate for you yeah on the other side you're the one that's got to put all that in in the kind of ducks in their line to, to get that <laughs> yeah. in order so that's been um, a complete eye-opener um doing a lot of commentary um, for the sport, working with a few sponsors, different appearances. Um, I think just enjoying what I've what I've got and what opportunities I get because um, yeah, like it's it's not as if I've I've fully I've not retired. I've retired from elite sport. Yeah. Um, but I'm still working very hard to um, to keep going as a as a person and basically just enjoy what I'm doing for now. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me. There's only one. Thing that I <laughs> from you and it's uh I, I offered you the, the piece of advice from Neil at the beginning now's your opportunity mm. to leave a piece of advice it does it can be about anything at all yeah. completely uh, completely um, open I think for for me um having having been through a stage within my career that I was really scared of losing I was really scared of making mistakes I think my bit of advice would be don't be scared to lose and don't be scared to make mistakes
Amazing. I look forward to passing that along. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the Outside and Active podcast with Eve Muirhead. She was such a lovely person to have a conversation with, which was recorded at the National Snow Week, the London Snow Show to be specific. Eve, thank you so much for coming onto this podcast and looking forward to seeing what more you do outside of retirement. Uh, I mean, you've done so much already, but looking forward to seeing what is next. As I said at the beginning, if you haven't done that favour, then please do so now. It'll take 10 seconds just to share it with someone, a friend, a colleague, a family member that might enjoy this podcast just as much as you. Trust me, it makes such a big difference if we can continue to grow this outside and active community. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'll be back next week with another episode on the podcast. But until that time, I've been Dominic Brown. Enjoy the outdoors.